Whacking that thing around. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ed is in Minnesota. Ed, how many times have you eaten at Jimmy John's? Once. Yesterday. Good for you. <laughs> uh, got it before. Right, here's, so, depart plane, grab bag. Shuttle to rent-a-car. Rent-a-car. Before leaving the rent-a-car uh, facility there, into the phone, because you know I can't find myself without Google Maps. And the happiest day of my life was closest Jimmy John's, 0.8 miles. So, <laughs> it, it took it took two right turns, and I was ordering the number four, no lettuce. Oh, man. You got to be pumped about that, huh? Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, are you going I... again today? No, no, I got to I gotta oh. work today. I got to work. I got to do stuff. You still I eat, gotta, don't I, you? I haven't, heard any pounding on, I haven't heard any pounding on the wall, but I do have to do stuff. All right, can you take us through? You wrote about this, uh, the Kirill Kaprizov story. Oh, this was this was hilarious. So I do want to. Hopefully, George McPhee is listening. Can you trade for Marcus Foligno in the offseason? Because covering this guy on a daily basis uh, might be terrific. So, long story short, as I know, the time is uh, is precious. So, um, spit and chicklets on barstool sports. Foligno goes on there in the podcast this week, and he's talking about. Uh, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, the rookie, the Russian rookie, and how during protocols during training camp, obviously I think the Knights had this as well, you could only have so many guys on the ice at one time. You couldn't have a full team. So the night before each Minnesota Wild practice, the it was the PR guy, actually. He said there's a PR guy who would send out a text, okay, these this players, you guys show up at this time, you'll be on the ice, followed by these guys. There's like four or five players at a time. Get tested, get on the ice, and then you have to get off for the next group. Well, Kaprizov, you know, he's 24, he's drafted in 2015, but because of the KHL, this is the first time he's ever been here, obviously, he came this year. And for the first three or four days, just because of numbers, they put the veterans out first, and, you know, and then they go down the line. For some reason, Kaprizov was in the group with the taxi squad players and the guys just trying to make the team, like the kind of, like, lower-end guys. And it took him four days to realize... I'm kind of playing with crappy guys. So he, so one of the, like four days in, you know, they get this daily text at night. This is the time you have to show up. So he gets pissed, obviously, that he's playing. He's looking over as the good guys are coming off the ice every day, and he's going on. And on the fourth night, the uh, PR guy sends out the regular text. This is who should show up. He texts back. And I, it is probably in English, although uh, Felino was making uh, uh, fun that it might have been in Russian, or he was at least reading the text in a Russian accent. And the text said, bleep this, I want to be with good players, not bleep players. The problem is, he texted the entire group, including those bleep players, and these taxi squad guys, and Felino was great, because Felino was saying on the broadcast, he goes, first of all, this guy doesn't even speak English, he's never texted, so we're all saying, what is this guy texting for? And it was just hilarious, the next day they said, Kaprizov came, and um, 
you know, had his head down because he realized what he had done. And here's all the bleep players looking at him. Hey, thanks, man. We're just trying to make the team over here. And what I didn't get to in the story was Felino went on to say every time after that, the the PR guy would text anything about protocols what time. All the veterans would text back to um, to Kaprizov. Hey, Kirill, are you okay this? You okay? We okay here? You let us know what we need to do. So I thought it was hilarious and um, the way Felino told it was great, and I can only imagine those taxi squad players going, "Hey, thanks a lot, man. I mean, we know you're on the team. We're just trying to make the roster." <laughs> I love Beautiful. the idea of calling oh. them bleep players. Yes, so yes. It's, it's phenomenal, and not, oh. and accidentally doing you know the reply all of text messages to yes. the bleep players. It's great. So, this wait, is why. Do we? This know? is why I hate to reply all. You know that, especially no. in emails. Do we know? Don't like, hate it. How long was he with the bleep players? How quickly did he get moved up to well, practicing with the normal guys? That's the thing. So he, so Felino said he texted it on the fourth night. So I don't know if immediately on the fifth day he was with the good players, or the guy said, you know what, we're going to keep him over there for a few days because he's got to learn how to text here in America. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. How long? But it was a. Felino said it went about four days before they got the text back at night. And he said it was like nine o'clock at night, and everyone's phone went off after the original text, and they read it. And it was funny because Felino on the on the um, on the podcast kind of talked in a Russian accent as he was reading the text, and it was just he goes, it was absolutely hilarious. He said the best was the next day when the kid skated on the ice with his head down, like completely embarrassed. It's a good thing he was good. And like their best player. Oh, like, imagine yeah. if he had like ended up sucking yeah. and being a bust, and was like, "Yeah, you I mean, are he's going to win rookie players. of the year. He's like this great, great player. So, what if what if he would have ended up being a bleep player? <laughs> so, all right, which Golden Knight is doing that? Is accidentally replying all on a text message to every player and calling half of them terrible? Oh, it'd have to be someone young, right? Who just, I mean, Peyton Krebs. See, I was thinking like Jonathan Marchessault would be the most likely to call them that. Now, Jonathan Marchessault probably wouldn't get demoted to where he's skating with right. Patrick Brown and Tomas. Jerko yeah, I was just thinking something. of guys who are like in between the Silver Knights and coming up. They they don't really have like who's. Gosh, I'm trying to think of the lineup. They don't really. Who am I missing? I mean, Glass is the obvious choice because he hasn't lived up to his expectations. Oh, imagine but, Glass sending that. Oh, message imagine out Glass here. doing that. <laughs> I mean. And, Someone texting back, you're lucky you're with the taxi squad, guys. What are you talking about? Uh, I don't, I mean, Marshall would definitely, like you said, have the edge to him to text back, but but he's a star on the team. So I don't, I mean, like you said, he, he'd be with the good guys anyway. Marshall wouldn't even text it, he'd post it on Instagram. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he'd post a picture of like, Tomas Jerko and Dylan Coglin and be like, what? why am I here with these bleep players? You know, you know who it could be if they lose in the first round and training camp comes around, it could be Pete DeBoer saying, why is Manny out there before me? <laughs> Pete DeBoer, like texting t Sage Salmon, say, hey, 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 Sage, what's going on here? Uh, it's going to be Pete DeBoer saying, why is Derek England in my office? Yes, exactly. They're like, well, he did a really good job in that one Silver Knights exhibition game. Thinking about giving him the full-time job here with the Golden Knights. It'll be fun. So something Pete DeBoer did say yesterday is that he thinks they've played well in Minnesota the last two games, despite the fact that, again, the Golden Knights went 1-3-0 and in Minnesota this year, and that one win did not come in regulation. But Pete DeBoer said, the way we played the last two times there, I don't think there's any aura to going in there. We're going to have to play well. Listen, it's two very evenly matched 
teams. Now, I do believe him when he says it's two very evenly matched teams, but I have a hard time believing Pete DeBoer saying there's no aura going in there. When one of the last two games they played, they were up five to four with 90 seconds left and they lost in regulation. Yeah. Well, and guys who have been on this team since the beginning haven't won in regulation. Yeah. I can't believe, well, obviously they know that it's been talked about and written about and said enough to where they absolutely know that. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Millard on that. The longer things like this go, it has to creep in. I mean, it's, they really need, this is a completely stupid statement, so I'll say it. They desperately need, in my opinion, a lead tonight. Like, if they go up 1-0, then it's like, okay, this is fine, and we'll be fine, and, you know, we're better than these guys. They go down 1-0. Well, if they go down 2-0, I don't think they'll win. But if they go down 1-0 here, that might, again, it's going to creep in at some point where they're like, ah, geez, here we go again in this place. And by the way, I think, well, the Twins, excuse me, the Wild are going to have 4,500 people. I don't know how loud it's going to be. I've actually covered games here the expansion season. I certainly don't remember what it sounded like. They didn't win when I was here. But I don't know how much difference 4,500 people are going to make. Maybe they make a lot of difference. So the goal for the Golden Knights is to win one of these two games. If they win two, that's great and phenomenal. But the goal is to win one of these two games and have an even series with three games left and you get two at home. So the goal is to win one of these two. What is going to be fascinating is Pete DeBoer saying there's no aura coming to this building. If they lose game three, how are they feeling going into game four, knowing that they can't win in this building or can't win in regulation in this building, and they just lost the play, they just lost the lead in the series, and they're facing a 3-1 deficit if they do, in fact, lose another game to Minnesota at Minnesota. That's what will be fascinating is if they do lose tonight, how are they feeling going into game four? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would, I mean, would it be more pressure on them? Because had they gone down 2-0 at home, I think that, that would have been it. Um, so there'd be a ton of pressure on them down 2-1 in a place they never win at. Um, and then, yeah, because again, 3-1, it would be really hard, given how even the games have been, that they're going to win three straight against these guys. Not to say they couldn't do it, uh, but I think it would just be really hard. I'm more interested, the, the thing that interests me about tonight is, no matter how it goes, if they go down 2-1, and let's say it's like you said, 4-2 or 3-2, I go back to like the question everyone's always wondered, would he ever change the goalie? Uh, I think because they won game two, it would depend all on how Flurry played. Like if they lose the game tonight, but Flurry plays well, I don't think there's any chance he's making a change. Now, if they lose tonight and Flurry gives up four, five, six goals, and you're thinking, well, he gave up two or three soft ones, right? He leaves the puck behind the net and doesn't get back to his crease and gives up a wraparound goal or something like that. That's when I think you could make the change. It, but because their season is even, or series is even, excuse me, I don't think DeBoer would make the change for the sake of making the change just because they lose. Now, if they lose both games in Minnesota, even if Flurry's played well, I think you might see the change for the sake of change to save the season with Robin Leonard. But I don't think if they lose tonight that they would change goalies unless Flurry was genuinely well, bad. Am I all, and I look, I don't know if this has anything to do with how he thinks that maybe it might be won't. Did not am I what game am I missing? Didn't Leonard give up six to these guys? He did. Yeah, that was the one they were up five to four with ninety seconds left, and they scored two goals and they lost. See in to me, I again, I what coaches go through in their minds and playoffs. I'm not going to pretend to know, but if he's been in this building and given up that many, I I'm with you. I think Flurry'd have to play pretty poorly tonight not to get the next start. Yeah, I mean, and listen, it's it's a game the Golden Knights like 
can win. Like, there's no doubt about it. These games have been close enough. Like, they can win. It's just been a fascinating history. And, like, as somebody who, like, I love numbers and analytics, none of this is actually, like, should be relevant. The fact that they went 1-3-0 in the regular season is a small sample size. And the fact that they're 2-6-0 all-time in Minnesota, like, what's happened in years past shouldn't matter either. It's just beyond fascinating of how bad they've been in Minnesota and how Minnesota, who hasn't been a cup contender is a team that kind of owns the golden Knights because you, I mean, you look at this season, the only team that's had a winning record against the golden Knights in the regular season was Minnesota. And you look at the, the entire Western conference. I think Minnesota is the only team that has a winning record against this team in the regular season. Like it's bizarre how bad they've been against Minnesota, even though Minnesota has changed almost every year, who's on their team and how they play. So it's almost a level of, we need to see them win in Minnesota before we believe they can actually win in Minnesota. Oh, no question. You said when that's, you know, I mean, Darren, I think was, a uh, you know, I don't think he was surprised we took Minnesota, but I, I don't know who else you would take. Like, like right. who, who else, who you can't, I, and I, I know they're a small favorite, like, but that's just because of the golden Knights. Like I said, they're, they're going to be favored every time they play, you know, maybe uh, not at Colorado, but most games are going to be favored. But, like, I didn't even question who I picked tonight because we've never seen the opposite. Like, and again, if we're talking tomorrow morning and they won, neither of us can be surprised. They're really good, and the teams are really matched. I think they're better than the Wild, but I'm not, you can't pick them. I mean, until they actually do it here. Ed, you take under two and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. It hasn't been the best offseason for Kevin Kruger in UNLV basketball. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! Bischoff's Briefs today. Taking a look at UNLV basketball. Because we've got some incredible... Roster turnover with Nick Blake's departure. UNLV announcing that they are mutually parting ways with Nick Blake earlier this year. With Blake gone, 94% of the minutes that were played on last year's team are gone. 96% of the points are gone. There are only a total of 69 points that return from last season. Marvin Coleman, Reese Brown, Trey Hurlbert, and Kendrick Gilbert. So you're looking at two walk-ons and two scholarship players that are coming back that actually played in a game last year. Kevin Kruger's roster is interesting because I don't think you can say that the roster is worse than what the season ended. I don't know you can definitively say it's better, but the roster is, we're going to find out if he's done a good job or not, but I actually think he's probably put together a better roster than they had to end the season. But Kruger has still failed in one area this offseason, one probably important area, and that is continuity. That is keeping really anybody around. He managed to lose Arthur Kaluma, who's top 50 recruit, who's now going to Creighton. He lost the two true offensive scorers in Bryce Hamilton, who technically could come back, but he's lost Bryce Hamilton, and David Jenkins has gone to Utah. And he's lost 
all the role players except Marvin Coleman, like Caleb Grill, decent shooter, decent defender. He's gone. And Bakke Zhang was a solid big man. He's gone. Moses Wood was a shooting power forward. He's gone. And now Nick Blake, who you were, you were hoping he was going to be more than a role player, but now he's gone as well. And here's the thing. UNLV was bad last year. No doubt about it. And even before Otzelberger took the Iowa State job, we expected roster turnover. We expected there to be new faces on next year's team because when you're bad, you need to have some change. But I don't think anybody expected 96% of the roster. I don't think anybody expected basically everyone to be gone. And that's the incredible part here is how did UNLV hire Kevin Kruger, who was an assistant on the previous staff, and not really keep anyone. Like, that's the thing that's amazing. And again, you go back to some of the players they lost. You're not winning the Mountain West because you kept Mbake Jean. You're not winning the Mountain West because you kept, you know, Moses Wood. But there were five, six, seven players on last year's team that are good players that can help you win games in the conference. You just need guys better than them. They're good role players. And they lost them all. Now, again, Kruger's brought in a whole bunch of transfers. And my best guess is this team is going to be a competitive middle-of-the-pack Mountain West team. If everything goes right, they've got a chance to break into the top four. So it's not like Kevin Kruger has overall had a bad offseason, right? He's put together what looks like a, a decent roster for his first year in the Mountain West, but he's absolutely failed to re-recruit the roster. And that is surprising since they hired the coach that was on the staff the last couple of years. You thought that was going to be one of the positives of hiring Kevin Kruger was okay. You'll hold on to Nick Blake. Maybe you'll hold on to Arthur Kaluma, but they've lost everyone. It's unbelievable how many people they've lost. Yeah, uh, you're right. And I, I, I don't know all the reasons for it. I, you and I think you and I both we were saying the other day are kind of refreshing Twitter or waiting kind of to see what Bryce Hamilton does. I, and it's weird because the more time goes on, I, I'm split now because you and I have talked about this. More time goes on, I thought, oh, he's going to come in back. But now I've turned on that and said, no, I don't think he will. Um, it, it's really, really interesting. And again, I don't think he would say this publicly or maybe even privately. Maybe he had some issues with who's on that team and how they played. He certainly, I'll tell you this, and you you pointed this out on, on, your, on your writing. The guys he got when all these people left um, – Seem to be, correct me if I'm wrong, really at least more defensive-minded than guys they've had before, whatever that means, because right. they weren't any good defensively. So could it be that he was like, you know what? I got to play a certain way, and none of these dudes can really defend how I want. Maybe that's kind of a reach, but it sure seems like he went to different kind of guys when he started bringing people in. So the first handful of guys they got, um, the Donovan Williams the uh, and the two front court guys, Victor Iwakar and, and Royce Ham. Uh, and throwing David Milwaukee in there as well. Those were all like defensive-minded guys. You get the defense, right. uh, conference defensive player of the year. You get guys that yeah. hadn't played a lot uh, in the Big 12, but hey, maybe they're good defensively. But since they've added Michael Nuga, who scored 17 points per game at Kent State, Josh Baker, who was shooting over 40% from three at Juco, um, Justin Webster, who scored 12 points per game at Hawaii, I get the feeling we're going to see more of the offensive guys than the defensive guys next year because – you're going to have to score and the offensive guy or the defensive guys haven't really proven they can do that. So I do think, I mean, that was, I think that was going to be Otzelberger's game plan anyways. If he stick stuck around was, Hey, I got to find some transfers that can play defense for once. But I, I do think that was part of Kevin Kruger's sort of plan. 
But I also think we're going to have times this year where I don't know. I don't know how good any of these guys are going to be, but like Justin Webster from Hawaii, he might be one of their best scorers, but he might be bad on defense. Right. Or the guy coming up from Juco. Like, I think we're going to be having some of those conversations too, because it's not like they went out and gotten proven guys. Like the guys they got from the big 12 were playing eight minutes a night. Like there's a reason they were transferring away from their school. So are they actually excellent defenders or are they just athletic guys who are going to be average to slightly above average defenders? And that's an upgrade on what they had last year, but not actually making the team good. I don't know. We'll have to see, but I am, I am curious to see how good defensively they'll be next year because I don't know that they actually are going to be a good defensive team next season. Well, isn't it always, well, it, uh, look, I mean, it's a, not a concern, but it's obviously there's a lot of mystery too when you revamp your entire team and what it's going to look like. I mean, he's he, and if Hamilton doesn't come back, like you said, it's almost 100% of their scoring, so it's a completely new team. Um, of the guys you've written about, the other thing I would say is maybe they're better defensively, but we've talked about how guys come up in levels, even though the Mountain West, look, it's not the highest level, but, you know, the Big 12 or something like that, but it is a higher level from where a lot of these guys come from. Like, I would think it's also a little you know, not sketchy, but definitely unknowns of how they're even going to score at the next level. Right. It is. Um, You know, Justin Webster is coming up from Hawaii and Michael Nuga did play in the Mac and the Mac is generally rated in the same realm as the mountain West. So that's not a big jump for him. So Michael Nuga should be fine to be a decent scorer at the mountain West level, but it is, it absolutely is because you're counting on guys to a, take a step up in level and produce like they were at Hawaii or at junior college or B guys to take a step down in level, get more minutes and produce when they've never done that at the college level. It is a bunch of unknowns. And I, and even Kevin Kruger, who he was at Oklahoma, he coached against a lot of these guys in the big 12. You don't know, like you don't know how no, good these no. guys are going to be. Even like Victor Ewalker is coming from Oklahoma. Carlin Hartman was his coach. He doesn't know how good Victor Ewakor is going to translate to the Mountain West level if you give him 25, 30 minutes a night. So it, it's a ton of unknowns. Now, the unknown is often viewed as better as the known because the known last year right. was under 500. So, but it doesn't mean it's going to be better. Like last year, we kind of went into UNLV basketball and a lot of unknowns and David Jenkins didn't work out as well as we thought and they were under 500. So Again, I expect the team to be middle of the road, the Mountain West, and there's a chance they break into the top four or so if everything goes right. But I don't think this roster is ultimately that much better than last year's. And I think it's interesting how much they've relied on new guys coming in as opposed to keeping any of the guys around from last year. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Tyler, no patch ready on the ice in Minnesota. No patch ready. It's okay. No we got we got Baldy with us. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where's the headband, J.R. Starkus? Do you have the headband on? I'm wearing it, buddy. I'm wearing it. I'm, I'm I'm psyched up for today's show, so I have my headband on. Jay, get to break a sweat with all the hard questions. Tyler, could you, Tyler, could you see this nut job like on top of scaffolding, banging a drum with a headband on for Absolutely. weird baseball games? Oh no! Oh yeah, that'd it. be great. That's a good idea. He's up there. No, okay. So so take us through our our questioning here. Uh, when you're bald, is sweat more of a problem running down your face than when you have hair? Um. Well, I'll be honest with you. I 
shaved my head for the first time when I was a sophomore in high school, and I've shaved it every single day since then. Um, Wait, so, so you could have hair and you choose oh, to yeah. be bald? Oh, yeah, I have a very, very full head of hair. Absolutely. Yeah. What? Yeah, what it, were, you a swim, if, were you a high school I, swimmer or something? Why were you shaving your head? Were you swimming? Uh, no, so when I, when, I, when I was an athlete in high school myself, and uh, I remember a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Troy, he, was play, he played football and I played baseball. So he's, he said, hey, man, it's, it's, it's getting hot. I got to, can you, you know, I just want to have you cut my hair because just run the, you know, the clippers over it because I, I just need to cut it short for football season. I just don't want it to be too hot. So I ran like a number four clipper over the thing. The whole thing was number four and we called it a day. So I was like, hey, you know what? Do it for me too. So he did. And then a week later, I was like, hey, try it with a number three. And then I said, nah, try it with a number two. And then I just told him to just take the whole thing off. And, uh, and then since I was, you know, basically buzzed down, I just, uh, I just said, oh, hell with it. I'm just going to take a razor to it. And I started shaving it. And I remember the first time I did it, I didn't know the contours of my head or anything like that. So I was a bloody disaster. Um, <laughs> and I remember coming, I remember, co- I didn't tell my parents I was doing it. And I remember coming downstairs in my house and my dad looking at me and going, what the hell? did you just do and i just had like toilet paper stuffed in my head because i had shaved it all you know and it was i was bleeding everywhere and i said well you know baseball season is like what and he always he always tell me well i'd rather you with with short hair so that's and it stuck so i just started shaving it and i've done it every day since so i haven't had hair even though i can grow it literally if i don't shave my head for a couple days like there's hair there where you're like oh my gosh you have hair um so I would say I haven't had hair in what twenty something years at least. This is the weirdest decision I've ever heard. My hair was always been, and this is going to make a lot of people mad because my hair was always very thick, right? And it still is. <laughs> oh my thick. god! <laughs> and, and and I could uh, and I could never really style it. Like it was just like a straight wiry mess, right? It was just wasn't anything oh, I could I really that. style. So yeah, so I just well, said uh, the heck with it. It was the type of thing my dad used to make fun. He used to say it was like a Brillo pad. He said you could duck it underwater and it would come out, and even though it was soaked, it would just be dry in like a second because there's the brittle pad of hair. <laughs> your your wife never said let's grow it. My wife has actually said I don't think I would have married you if you had hair. Oh, jeez, that's no joke. She she's seen pictures of me with hair when when I was like a freshman in high school, you know, and I was like 220 pounds and packing it on. Uh, but uh, she she told me she said you're if if I had met you and you had hair, I don't think we would have dated. So how often do you have to shave your head? I, I shave it every single day. It's just part of my routine. Uh, every day, it's just part of it. It's just a. Uh, it's just part of the. I shave my face. Shave my head. It's all in the same swoop. Sounds like a disaster. <laughs> Jeez, weird. When's the we last time? You, when's the last time you cut your head? Guy. When's the last time you cut your head shaving it? Um, I don't know. Prob- I, I I probably nick it. You know, once or twice a year. That's about it. But then you know, just but nothing bad. Nothing bad at all. You know, but it's just because you just learn the contours of your head, you know, and, and, and which way the hair grows and stuff. So you just shave it. But I, it, it grows. My hair kind of grows a little more forward than it does backwards. So if I have to, you know, like I tried those that little you, there's a little handheld razor thing for bald. So if you shave your head bald, but you have to shave with that razor back to front instead of front to back. And that doesn't work for me. So I, I literally use a Bic to do it. Boy. You buy stock in that company. You're using one of those bits every day. Uh, I go through about one a week. Actually, it lasts me one a week because I shave it every day, so it's not too bad. If I let it grow out, then I think I go through them faster uh, because it grows yeah. back that quickly. Do you cover your whole if face you, in shaving cream? 
if I'm shaving my whole face, just about, yeah, there's just my eyes are basically visible. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> my eyes and okay. my nose are visible. That's about it. If if you could post a safe for work version, we need we need a picture of this. Yes, we yeah, need okay. to watch this. I'll take a picture we of myself need to next watch. time. I, I usually I'll shave it. I'll, I'll shave everything on Sunday, so I'll, I'll take a picture for you, buddy, so you have it for the weekend. <laughs> well, if you've never listened on a Thursday, this is actually happening. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus. He's a key account executive for Southern Glazers Wines, Spirits, Nevada. Brought to you by Liquor World. On Instagram, JR makes drinks. So after that intro, uh, I'm sure you can't top it, but try and top it with a drink this week. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I'm gonna, you know, the night's to play tonight. So I thought I'd use uh, go back to the Tangerese via Orange that I used a couple weeks ago. Uh, the reason I'm using that is because it's kind of, if you look at it, it's it's orange but golden in its hue. Um, and so the drink that we're gonna make today will have kind of an orange golden hue to it. Um, and, and you can kind of adjust it any way you see fit. Um, and, and you'll hear that when I when I when I speak about the recipe. So um, it's kind of a twist on a classic cocktail uh, that that's called the breakfast martini that I've actually made in, in before. And the breakfast martini does utilize uh, three of the ingredients that I'm using today, which is some sort of like jam or jelly or marmalade, uh, Cointreau, and gin. Um, the difference is is that that breakfast martini generally will uh, use the sweetness from the Cointreau and a little bit of and the and the sour mix, or excuse me, and the marmalade to balance the drink, I'm adding a little bit of honey syrup. So my drink has five ingredients. Uh, the ingredients are, you pick your jam or jelly or marmalade. I am using um, like an orange marmalade, but you can use anything that fits the theme. So, but if you don't like orange, it can be strawberry, it can be raspberry. Um, but for tonight's drink, since it's for the night's game, uh, pick something with a golden or a orange hue to it. Orange, mango, pineapple, lemon, something like that. Uh, one bar spoon of that. You're gonna need a half of an ounce of honey syrup then um, I've, I've spoke about this before with honey syrup you have to bring it you have to bring you have to mix it with water first because to make a syrup out of it if you just try to use honey straight um, the, the the when the ice hits it and the cold hits the honey the it will just clump up in your drink and it will not assimilate into the cocktail correctly so by adding just you know equal parts water to honey and mixing it together and creating a honey syrup you still get a lot of the sweetness and the flavor that you like from honey um, and, and it'll assimilate into the cocktail better, and you'll need a half of an ounce of that. If you don't want to do honey syrup, simple syrup will work, or any other kind of sweetener, agave, will work as well. Um, but I like honey syrup in this because I like the flavor of the honey with the orange. Um, then I'm going to use three-quarters ounce of a lime, uh, so three-quarter ounce of fresh lime juice. You can use lemon if you so desire. That will also add to the hue of this drink, being orangish-yellow for the Golden Knights, but I used lime. Um, and then you're going to use a half of an ounce of Cointreau and an ounce and a half of the Tangare Sevilla Orange Gin, which is uh, a newer gin that's on the market, a Sevilla Orange uh, infused and flavored gin. Five ingredients. You mix all those. You put all those ingredients into a cocktail shaker without ice first. Uh, the reason we don't add ice is because, or yet, is because once you add ice to the drink, your timer starts. So once all those ingredients are added to your cocktail shaker, fill the cocktail shaker with ice. Shake the drink well because now at this point you need to make sure that uh, you're breaking up the jam or the jelly or the marmalade that's in there, and you want that to kind of infuse its way into the drink as well. So shake the drink well. A weak shake will not get it done. You have to shrink, shake the drink hard. And um, when I post this on my, uh, my Instagram after the show, you'll see I'll demonstrate that shake for you. Um, and then you're gonna sh and once you sh shake the drink, you're just going to strain it, strain it into a cocktail glass, uh, something chilled. You can strain it over fresh ice. If you'd like as well, um, if, if you want to do something like that. 
that either, either way works well. I like this drink into a cocktail glass and then just garnish it with uh, a piece of orange, an orange slice, a dried orange peel, an orange wheel, something like that, and call it a day. That's it. Easy drink, something for the night's game tonight, and it's absolutely delicious using ingredients that I've spoken about many, many times and all things that you can find at the liquor store and the grocery store. Okay, this, this How, uh, uh, the color of this drink, is it going to match the Golden Knights shiny gold helmets? Uh, with you know what I should if I was if are they wearing gold helmets tonight? The no, I, well we don't oh, know. I don't no. think so. But because if that's the case, then I would add a little bit of cocktail glitter, and then it would sparkle. Oh. This drink would sparkle, and then it would absolutely match the helmet. Oh, you can make it sparkle. How, Bill Foley. How sold. bombed can Knights Knights fans get off this drink when they're down three zero tonight? <laughs> Uh, they can get bombed pretty quickly, and then they can just turn doing shots of either the Tangeray or the Quantro because they're both uh, eighty proof and above. So you can you can turn you can turn into that real quick. So if you think like oh, man, enough of this watering it down with, with lemon juice and simple syrup, I'm going for the hard stuff. You just go right to the bottle after that. That's fine too. Jared's probably going to do that regardless of what happens in the game tonight. So hey, I don't do shots. I pour entire pint glasses of whiskey and slowly sip. <laughs> Jared I, I, or Tyler, I have a question for you. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, we were talking. Yeah, I heard you talking earlier to Darren about what you know the trade of Andre Fleur, Mark Andre Fleury. See, it's a great topic. <laughs> yeah, what happens? How great? How much would you love it if the the Knights go through this? They win the they win the Stanley Cup, and then Mark Andre Fleury says, "You know what?" I demand a trade. I want out of here. I gave you guys what you want. I'm demanding a trade. Now you're going to lose me, and then you're stuck with this other guy. Oh, it'd be phenomenal. Also, yeah, I think I the Gold Knights it. would want to do that. I think the Gold. I, I don't think it matters how well he plays. They're going to try to trade him in the offseason. They're going to try to trade at least one of the goalies, and he's the one that makes more sense to trade. I don't. I, I, I think it's going to happen because you can't. Listen, we're watching it right now. They don't have any scoring because they've got five million on the bench in their goaltender and Robin Leonard. You don't want that. You want that but guy I there was on the no ice. Cap in the playoffs. There isn't, but you got to get through the regular season with the cap. So if they didn't have it, they could have added another five million dollar player throughout the year. I gotcha. Yeah, would have been keep great. Pushing, just keep pushing dudes down to the to the the Silver Knights, man. Just keep pushing down. You play with like nine guys on the ice. That's it, and a goalie, and just be like, tough it up, fellas. Sixty the, minutes. The nine highest paid players in the NHL, and that's all they can afford. Yeah, nothing yeah, else. Yeah. And just tough it out, fellas. Prince. What's your, uh, has your kid been eliminated? Have they been eliminated from the playoffs or are you still uh, arguing with people? Did they get nope, I'm still fighting. They're, they're, um, they're, they're on, they're, I don't want to curse anything. So I'm going to knock on, I'm going to knock on wood as they say this. They're playing very well right now. They won the game. They won their game last night. Uh, they have a day off today and then they play again on Friday. Um, they're, they're undefeated in the playoffs right now. So the team on Friday, whoever they play, which will be decided tonight, uh, will have to beat them twice on Friday. Um, in order to move to, to Saturday. All, the boys just need to win one game on Friday to advance to the championship game on Saturday. So uh, that's it. So we're, we're really rooting for the boys, uh, the Lions. The boys. Are, are, oh. The boys. Yep, we're really rooting for them. They're, they're playing great baseball right now, uh, hitting the ball oh. well, good defense generally all around, and just a lot of fight in the, in the team. So it's, it's fun. Last night was a back-and-forth game, uh, stressful on the coaches and the parents for sure, but uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. You wearing masks out there? Uh, yep, yeah, it's required. It's required. Um, they, they, they're actually, you know, at the, for the postseason, you have to buy a ticket. Um, so I have to now pay to watch my son play um, every game. So it's a $10 ticket to go to each game um, to then Jeez. wear a mask outside and socially distance. So that's a fun point of contention, but it's what you'll do. 
to watch your kid play baseball, I suppose. Clark it's better Clark than not County, having it, uh, and it's better than not being able to go to an away game. So you were gonna Clark buy County uh, getting some of its pandemic money back from you people. <laughs> yeah, you know. Jesus. Well, they, they probably are just like, all right, fine, you could go, but we're screwing you, all right? <laughs> yeah, royally. So, so, so yeah, you, you get to the game, you show your ticket, you have to sign your little you know COVID waiver form, um, and then you, you go in and you sit down and you watch the game. You have to wear a mask, and, you know, I'll be real with you, some – some places are more strict than other places, and um, you know, you know. But the places that are more strict, you know, I feel bad for the people that are working because they're just doing their job, telling people, "Hey, man, you got to wear a mask." And I have heard it more than once. Just absolutely get those guys getting lit up by the uh, by people that don't want to wear a mask. It's it's kind of funny to listen to. Are I feel bad for people have to. You're accusing other people of being crazy. I, oh yeah, man. There's there's definitely more crazy than me. <laughs> just like everything. I just want to watch the game. <laughs> you know, that's what well, I want to do. And if I have to do it on scaffolding, I will. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus. Southern Glazed Wine Spirits and Matter brought to you by Liquor World. Instagram, he'll make that drink for you later on Instagram. He'll even be doing some shaking and baking at JR Makes Drinks on IG. Check him out there. Uh, yeah, well, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next Thank week. Thank you, JR. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Check you out. Bye. See ya. Bye. All right, coming up Cheers. next, where is Max Pacioretty? We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Ed, I need some help. Um, how far away is the Press Box at XL Energy Center from the ice? Not as far. I Well, kind of maybe where the T-Mobile is pretty high. Because David Shane at Per Golden Knights practice said, I'm not going to post line rushes from Golden Knights morning skate. Even with three sets of eyes on practice, it was hard to tell from the press box. And Justin Emerson said, I couldn't see line rushes fully, but looks like Cody Glass, <laughs> Dylan Sakura were skating as extras. I think the lines were, and then he lists the lines. They're, I don't, how are they? It's they're a, at practice and can't it's see? It's a partially obstructed view. <laughs> like how obstructed? It's pretty high up there. Like I said, I was there in the expansion season, but we went a lot of places in the expansion season, so I'm trying to think what this was. Uh, I mean, you know this. I mean, most hockey press boxes are really high. I mean, they're kind of near the top of the arena. So, um, yeah, you pack maybe pack a few binoculars next time. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I, I guess in their defense, the practice jerseys don't have numbers on them. No, no. So you just have to – can you identify their bodies? But – I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you guys got to take some binoculars. Come prepared. This would be a fun game to play with local, like, with well, with Ed, except that it's completely a visual gag where I just show him, like, pictures of random white guys. And I'm like, is this a Golden Knights player or is this just a senator from Alabama? <laughs> senators uh, are too old, Jared. Co- oh, all right, fair Cody enough. Glass seems, uh, Cody Glass seems like the way he skates and everything, you could kind of figure out who he is. He is kind of a unique, disappointingly uh, unique uh, style too. Well, I mean, it, I can always tell who he is. Some of them, joke. I've been in those situations too, where you're looking down and you kind of say, "I think that who it is," but not, um, not fully. I'm just, I'm just amazed because, like, okay, during a pandemic, the main reason to send you guys to Minnesota is for the morning skates. Like the games itself, eh, you might be a little bit better watching it there, but you can watch on TV. And then all the press conferences, 
are on Zoom. So I'll be sitting on my couch tonight on the same press conference as you who went to Minnesota. I just feel like this is the main reason you send them, and you're not even close well, enough to see who the hell is skating in morning skate. This is uh, this is interesting. Pete DeBoer just told the media they had nine false positives yesterday. Oh, that, so that we was didn't really the story. get into the whole yeah. false positives about, about three the minutes. Knights. If you guys want to jump in, yeah. So the Blues were the the main team, but the Golden Knights were a part of it too. Where yeah. Apparently, some lab in Minnesota, or excuse me, in, in California, has like had a bad day. I don't know what happened, but they had a whole bunch of false positives. So the Blues had a bunch of false positives come back, and now Pete DeBoer says they had nine yesterday. Like that's Pete a- DeBoer said we had nine. Po- he said we had nine positives. Unbelievable concern and worry about what that looks like moving forward. It was not a pleasant experience. How okay. We're pretty far into this pandemic and playing sports and daily testing. That shouldn't be a problem anymore, right? Like, we shouldn't be having false positives, right? No. Um, both the I, – I, and I'm reading yesterday, both the Golden Knights and the Blues, I guess, you know, they use the same lab. For all I know, the entire league uses the same lab, so the Blues thought pretty quickly that there was something going on with that many and the Knights as well, and obviously they were false positives, which is, you know, good for both teams. I mean – can you imagine if you have nine guys? I don't even know what they would do at that point if there were nine guys out. I mean, thank God it didn't have to happen for the league and for both teams, but that would have been fascinating with that many, what you would do in terms of that series or both series. Yeah, nine nine feels like a number you postpone. Like that, if you had legitimately nine positive tests, that feels like a number you postpone because, I mean, yeah, you've got an AHL team and yeah, you've got a few guys on the taxi squad, but... Like nine's a number, especially if you're talking goalies. Like, yeah, I was about to say, if you're yeah. paying twelve million and both goalies are out, <laughs> you're fighting hard it, to get those postponed. Is it weird to you that DeBoer said Pacioretty and no sicker game time decisions? Yet Pacioretty is at the IHOP in Summerlin right now. <laughs> you don't know that he could be at the Jimmy John's next to the airport. <laughs> Uh, no, it is not weird that he said Pacioretty is a game time decision because I will not believe a single thing he says about Pacioretty until we actually see Pacioretty play another game because he's been day to day for 15 days. Like yeah. what? Like what are we waiting for now? He, he's he was a game time decision on May 3rd. He's a game time decision still on May 20th. What are we doing? Like it's okay. No, it doesn't matter what he says. He wasn't out there on the ice. No. I don't believe he's playing. No. Well, we'll we'll see tonight. I mean, Noshik the other night when he left. I mean, a guy leaves the ice. You don't see him for a month. So I'm sure we're not getting that guy. Eh, No Cody Glass either, unfortunately. Cody Glass will not save the season for the Golden Knights tonight.